Blog Talk Radio.
That's what we title our show every Monday at this time, 1 o'clock. And I've decided to go back in my mind, as the song indicated by the singer, about 50 years ago. And I call this the 50th anniversary of the death of my best friend. Let me tell you about a remarkable friendship. And I'm sure anyone listening has probably had a friendship as great as the one that I'm about to tell you about. It's the story of John Cornye Jr. John Cornye Jr. His last name is spelled K-O-R-N-Y-E. And I used to ask John, how did he get the last name Cornye? I couldn't find it anywhere as far as a dictionary. And he told me that his father, when he came over from Hungary, where he was from, uh, couldn't spell the name correctly that he wanted to go by here in America. And when he printed it, it came out as K-O-R-N-Y-E. So John Cornye Jr. was hired by Eastern Airlines February 4th, 1963, only one week prior to my class date of February 11th. We did not meet until about one year later in Atlanta, Georgia, when I took my children to the pool at the complex, apartment complex there in Ben Hill, where we rented a two-bedroom apartment. His daughter, Lisa, about six at the time, was in the pool helping me with my two children, Scott, four, and Shay, one years old. During our chat while in the pool, she told me that her father worked for Eastern Airlines, and they had just moved into their apartment after being transferred from the New Orleans base. We eventually met and enjoyed our chats about Eastern beside the pool. John had been an Air Force pilot and my flying experience was gained from the general aviation world. I had transferred from Washington, D.C. because of the base closures in New Orleans and Charlotte. New Orleans was where John was based. It opened Atlanta for John and, and I to bid and we were awarded Atlanta. One day, John told me that he had found a lakefront lot he was going to buy and build his dream home. He was going to build it himself, which he eventually did. I looked at the neighborhood where several eastern pilots lived and found a home for sale just down the street from his lot. The price was right, and I signed the contract to purchase it. I would move into the house just a few months before John completed his home. My home was not lakefront, but just down the street from John and his family. Now, this began the greatest friendship I ever had to this day, 58 years later. We jokingly thought about buying a single-engine airplane and enjoying flying our family on pleasure flights, but realized that on the income we were making with Eastern, we'd not be able to enjoy this luxury, at least not yet. There had to be a better way. Mowing my front lawn one day between trips with Eastern, John came driving up my driveway to chat and probably to have a beer on a hot summer's day. We sat down under a tree in my front yard and got back to how to own an airplane. Since I was a certified ground and flight instructor, I suggested we start a flying club and I would be the flight instructor, and both of us would teach the ground school part of it. 
But how would we get an airplane on the salary we made for the flight part, much less students to fly and train? We both came up about the same time, I guess, with the idea of a flying club. Even came up with the name of the school that we were about to start that very same day. It was called Georgia Flyers School of Aviation. The year 1965, we found an attorney to form the corporation, found a Cessna 172 advertised in the Atlanta Constitution for only $9,000. Remember, that was back in 1972. And immediately, we put an ad in the same newspaper for members to join the Georgia Flyers Flying Club. Now, we put a binder deposit on the purchase of the airplane out of our own pockets and the several inquiries for membership to our ad met us one day under the wing of the Cessna tied down at Fulton County Airport for our first meeting with the start of Georgia Flyers Incorporated. Membership cost each joining the club only $125 and $25 per month for dues. We met the total membership we wanted, which was we, we, we limited it to only 10 people. We had enough for the down payment at that time when we got checks from everyone for the cost of the monthly finance payment, payments to the bank for the, for the balance of what we owed. A brilliant idea and an equally brilliant partnership was formed between John and myself, which was to last until July 5th. 1971, when I lost my best friend in a great airplane, a Boeing 7, a Boeing Stearman, 1935 Mike is what we called her, 1935 Mike. Although John departed this world doing what he loved to do, and of course that was to fly, I've never stopped thinking of this great pilot and the best friend I met working for Eastern Airlines during our second year as pilots. During the seven years we owned Georgia Flyers Incorporated, the club and, and the school, we continued to expand as more and more students and pilots enrolled in our flight and ground schools. We even took the show on the road, teaching in many cities around the U.S. and, and Puerto Rico. We loved going on the road and even had Eastern crew scheduling working with us so that we could go as a team to the various cities with our courses. Our courses on the road were two-day accelerated courses. John would teach in the morning, the first day, and me, the afternoon session. We'd switch the next day, then on, Eastern, on an Eastern airplanes uh, plane that we used to pass by late the second day. We went back to Atlanta for some great Eastern flying. We left the basement of John's home on Lake Loch Lomond, where we initially held our ground school after his home was completed, for a large classroom just off Bankhead Highway near the Fulton County Airport. John did most of the build-out of the walls, classrooms, and office at the new facility. He was a craftsman, as I mentioned earlier. He had built most of his own beautiful home, even doing the electrical wiring. We were at this location for nearly two years when a friend we met at the airport told us his company was moving into a beautiful new metal hangar 
at Fulton County Airport. It had a row of plush offices on the second floor, and one room was big enough for a large classroom. We both went to look at the new E.T. Barwick Mills corporate hangar and signed a lease. We even had free space to park the hangar, the airplane we had recently bought, the Stearman, and had been fully restored by two Eastern pilots. Even though Mr. Barwick had a corporate Bach 111, a two-engine jet, and a Gulfstream G2, and a twin Beechcraft, our airplane took the most notice and comments about how beautiful it was. With the transition to our new facility, we hired two secretaries to handle our business while we were uh, away at our job. And the story of the Georgia Flyers is too long to tell during this tribute to John, but it's a story of friendship that still lasts to this day, even as a wonderful memories for me, but it also has had also the best friendship I would ever have during my 85 years on this earth now. Thank you, John, for the memories and all the good times we had and the everlasting friendships we made. I'll see you on my next flight, and we'll talk about, as you often told me, letting the good times roll. Well, I misscheduled our program today for a very short period of time. Don't know how that happened, but we are about to be signed off, not voluntarily, but because of my mistake. So I'm going to sign off and thank everyone that's on my producer's board. I'm going to sign off with this song and tribute to John. It's called High Flight. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, thanks Chuck and others listening today for being with us. Now, here is John Denver in High Flight. Sunward I've climbed and joined the tumbling birds Of sun-split clouds and done a hundred things I've wheeled and soared and swung High in the sunlit silence Hovering there, I've chased the shouting wind along And flung my eager craft through footless halls of air The higher we fly, the farther we go The closer we are to each other
delirious burning blue I've topped the windswept heights with easy grace Whenever lark nor even eagle blue And while with silent lifting mind I trod the high untrespassed sanctity of faith Put out my hand and touch the face of God friendship. Jim Holder, can you hear me? Yes, I do. Okay, even though our uh, listening audience probably will not be able to hear the balance of what I had planned for today about some stories that I like to talk about, about my friendship with John, um, I'd like to uh, uh, see if anyone has any questions. And Jim, I think you have a few questions that you can start out by. Yeah. Uh, Neil, I I knew John. I never had the pleasure of flying with him. We were too close in St. Darty back in those days. But wasn't he a Czech airman on the 727? Yes, he was. He he certainly was. Uh, he... Uh, he and I talked about it, and he became a Czech airman after we had started Georgia Flyers. And I thought, well, that uh, that might be difficult for him being in management. And and uh, mm-hmm. but he reminded me. He said, "Don't forget." He said, "I'm in town most every day." And he said, "I do mm-hmm. have to go out and do line." Uh, I think he had to do a line check, as you recall. Czech airman had to mm-hmm. do it what every ninety days or something like that. I believe mm-hmm. it was. And they mm-hmm. had to take yeah a month of flying, and he did that. So it really worked out really good as far as being a Czech airman for John. As a matter of fact, it was really good for me. I liked the idea that when it was time for my check as a flight engineer. Now he was a flight engineer check uh, Czech airman. Mm-hmm. So when it came mm-hmm. time for my, my uh, check on the 727, <laughs> uh, John, of course, I always pulled John as my check airman to give me my check ride. We walked in mm-hmm. on the first time that happened, and everybody knew we had the school out at Fulton County Airport. I forgot who mm-hmm. the captain was. And he said, okay, what are you guys going to do back there? You're going to do a check ride, or are you going to talk business? And we both <laughs> laughed about that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, he was a check airman, and he was really good. And I think everyone that took a check from him uh, knew that uh, he was very, very fair. Yeah, I think he gave me a line check once. Okay, yeah, he probably Back did. Back in about 
seventy-seven or something like that. No, yeah, seventy-seven. Yeah. No, it would be no seventy-one. He died, so it would be sixty-seven yeah, somewhere be around 67, there. Yeah, sixty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, any another question? Yeah, uh, another thing, I've got a question. I don't know, you said that you told a story about Atlanta Chief Pilot Terry Hudson asked John to do him a favor, and uh, I was a little interested because I thought when we came to Atlanta and I seen Yard that Terry Hudson was long gone as the chief pilot, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, well, uh, you know, good. you might be right. No, you might be right about that, Jim, as I mm-hmm. recall. Uh, now, since you mentioned it, yeah, he would be. But the reason, Dick Bomar would have been yeah, the Dick Bomar. Back in, right. Yeah, but the reason Perry Hudson, of course, being the mayor of Hapeville, which yeah. borders the airport, and I guess most of the airport was in Hapeville, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And Perry Hudson, of course, was a mayor at that time, mm-hmm. and he eventually right. became a representative and also a state senator in, in Georgia. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Perry asked John one day. Uh, if uh, he would uh, fly the steerman, if we could fly the steerman uh, over to the airport and and uh, come in low over the trees, and there was a park there. Atlanta Airport. Go, uh, yeah, come into the Atlanta Airport, and then uh-huh. take off at a certain time, and we had to time this, and a certain time so that we could fly directly, take off on nine left, and then make an immediate turnout. And as you recall, nine left, there were a bunch of houses on the, almost on mm-hmm. the runway as you taxied out mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. back in the old days. But mm-hmm. after you made that left turn, there was a row of trees there separating the airport from the residential section and a park, a park of Hapeville. Well, they mm-hmm. were going to dedicate that park to uh, Fred Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Davis was uh, he was a male wing pilot, and uh, and they were going to call it the Fred Davis uh, Memorial Park or something like that, and no, and mm-hmm. uh, and also a street, and I think the street's still named after Davis. Mm-hmm. And uh, he anyhow he wanted us to come in low at a certain time, is if we could time it, and he would coordinate it with the tower so that the tower would would uh, let the steerman in. We had a little radio in the back seat. And uh, and then take off from Atlanta when uh, it was about time to come over the trees. And we were to drop an envelope out of the airplane. And then he, Perry Hudson, would send somebody out to get the envelope, which, of course, there was nothing in the envelope, just a piece of paper. And then mm-hmm. Perry would... It'd be rushed up to Perry on the speaker's platform, and Perry would read about uh, about Davis and how he was a male wing pilot, and thus that's why he wanted the steerman to come in low. Mm-hmm. And so we did. We came over from Fulton County Airport, the two of us, John flying the front seat, uh, our back seat, I forgot which one. We landed at Atlanta, got clear by the tower, and we sat there for a few minutes. But the funny thing happened when we were coming in to land, there was a DC-8, a Delta DC-8 on final. And mm-hmm. the tower, knowing that we had uh, precision timing going on here, and uh, 
they cleared us ahead of Delta. So we cut base right into the base leg, made a final approach, and Delta was out long final to the west, landing mm-hmm. on nine left. And um, Delta said, well, who are we following, Atlanta? And the tower came back. He said, you're fly- flying. You're following a Boeing Stearman. <laughs> he said, a what? He said, a Stearman. He said, we suggest that you do some S-turns on final. <laughs> and, and Delta said, what the heck? So they did. They they did some S-turns, but we were flying so low, we even slowed it down as much as we could. <laughs> and Delta, of mm. course, had to go around. They they couldn't. There was somebody landing on the right side. And Delta went around. But at any rate, Uh-oh. we landed. We took off. It was really good timing. The people were out in the grandstands or whatever they had set up. And, and uh, Perry told us later on that it worked absolutely perfect. Matter of fact, about a year before Perry died, and it was at one of the REPA conventions, I think the last REPA convention that we held, seems like to me it was in Atlanta, too, that Perry was still alive but wheelchaired. He was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't talking. He talked very, very low. You couldn't hardly hear him and understand him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I came up and said, hello, Captain Hudson. And he pulled on my coat to come down, kneel down beside his wheelchair. And he told me, Neil, I'll never forget what you and John did that day mm-hmm. when we dedicated that park. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really a highlight of uh, us owning that airplane. So yeah. it was a great, great story. Yeah. And he was a great chief pilot and a great pilot and a great friend and a great everything. They didn't come a great everything. Right. And he should there be in the Georgia it. Hall of Fame for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess that park now is part of the Mercedes, uh, whatever it is over there. It might be. Or something. But mm-hmm. I, I think you can. I think the Fred Davis uh, uh, Highway is still there, and it's still. Is it a highway, uh, not just a street? It's a parkway. I think it's called the Davis Parkway. Yeah, well, it might. It goes it right might beside Delta's uh, administration buildings. Oh yeah, okay. I thought yeah. it was over in Hatefield. No, no, it was. Okay, yeah, no, oh, yeah. They, I bet it is still there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it. still there. Still call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was something. Yeah. The. Uh, well, when John died, you know, Eastern thought you should be with his family, from what I've heard, you know, and I'm sure it's true that to go with John to his final resting place. Would you share it with us? About that, yeah. After uh, when when John passed away, uh, we had a funeral at uh, one of the funeral homes out there by where we lived in Loch Lomond, in Nisky Lake. A lot of folks knowing Atlanta know that area, Nisky Lake. We had a lot of Eastern pilots. I think Johnny Steinmetz's family and Johnny grew up there on mm-hmm. Nisky Lake. We used to joke and Jim call it whis- whiskey. Jim Holder. I used to call it Whiskey Lake. But no, I've called it, Jim Holder used to live out there too. I lived out oh, there eight years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we were there right next to you, the little lake next to uh, mm-hmm. Whiskey Lake. And mm-hmm. um, when that happened, uh, we had the funeral, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of Eastern pilots, showed up with their uniforms. 
And mm-hmm. um, the chief pilot, and I forgot who, who it was then, it, I guess it was Dick Bomar, um, asked if I would uh, represent Eastern Airlines with, to the family uh, until mm-hmm. John was buried, wherever that would be. And mm-hmm. I said, well, they made arrangements for his burial to be in um, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, where he was born. And um, so, sure enough, uh, that when John was uh, was uh, transported to the airport, uh, I rode from the funeral home in the uh, ambulance uh, with John's casket and and watched it as it was uh, put on board an Eastern airplane, nonstop mm-hmm. from Atlanta to uh, Cleveland. And um, and then of course I. Uh, downstairs when they removed him from the airplane and taken to the funeral home there where uh, we had the service and his family were all there and I got the chance to meet his immediate family his brothers and sisters and mm-hmm. um, wonderful people and uh, he uh, they just they, they made you feel like all automatically you were part of the family and mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know I'd never been up to that point to a Catholic wake, a Catholic wake, mm-hmm. and I had never heard so much laughter going on. <laughs> and I guess that's the tradition of a Catholic wake is they were telling mm-hmm. funny stories. The funnier the better about John. Mm-hmm. And of course mm-hmm. I had my own to share during that wake. Mm-hmm. And we went to the burial out in uh, Brooklawn, I think the name of the cemetery was, uh, in Cleveland, and um, where he was buried. And then I flew back yeah. to Atlanta. And it took me a long time before I really could finally adjust to the fact that he was gone. And, um, of course, that day that he did the air show, um, his daughter, Lisa, and my two children, Scott and Shay, were with me in my station wagon, along with the head of the FAA, who had to monitor the air show. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned to some of you before we went on the air, I had done the air show uh, in 1970, a year before John died in 1971, July 5th. Mm-hmm. And um, I had done that show, and John did the next one which was a a tragedy. So uh, several people have emailed me uh, that they remembered being out there on the field that day. Matter of fact, Sandy Johnson, and Sandy sent me an email, said I was there and witnessed the the crash. And I think of it every 4th of July. And she says, I don't know if you remember me, but I worked at Morse Realty Company in Georgia, in Cumming, Georgia. It was a foggy day that day, and he was late getting there. Whenever it started to crash, I first thought that it was a spin, where part of mm-hmm. it was part of the show. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. And she said, I hope you're well. And I remember the Flying Realtors that uh, I was a member of. But uh, and some other folks have written in too, and um, folks like Scotty Hames, who ran across the field with me to help remove John from the airplane. And Scotty, uh, bless his heart, he was a youngster then, and 
he's uh, called me uh, here about two years ago, and, and uh, we talked about it because Scotty was the one that tried to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, but John uh, had no pain because he, he died instantly when the airplane mm-hmm. hit the ground. But at any rate, um, and I'm sure that there are stories like mine, there are hundreds and hundreds of them, but I just had the benefit of having a radio show. And I just knew that one day, if I could stay on the air long enough, I'd do this tribute to John. And uh, we've got some other folks that are on the line. Chuck, you're uh, on the line with me. Are you still with us? Well, he may have dropped off, Chuck. Chuck Albright, and Mike. I'm here. Okay, Chuck. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike Scott is with me. Mike, hello. Yeah, how you doing, Neil? Very, very good tribute. I've been listening to it all mm-hmm. very intensely, and very mm-hmm. uh, a lifelong bond that you guys had it was very interesting to hear about. Yeah, I could write uh, a book or more. Uh, and fill in fill in what I, I didn't say today, but there were so many stories that came out of such a short period of time. Even though it was uh, nearly eight years, it was about seven years that we knew each other uh, very, very close. And we shared a lot of things that, uh, and you know, how friendships are that run that deep. Uh, it's just as close to uh, you as a, a family member could be. Yeah, maybe in the future you should have a, a, a little a little story each time uh, on the show about John, you know. Good idea. I might even write a book about mm-hmm. it, but uh, I'd probably be the only interested person. But uh, well, I appreciate I so. But Mike, Mike, you have an open cockpit airplane also. Have you ever done an air show in your Waco? Well, we didn't do any really air shows. We uh, we just do flybys, basically. It's all a uh, yeah, everybody else is usually preempties us on that, like the Jones Beach uh, air show that they they had this year, which was with the Thunderbirds were the main attraction, and uh, and of course they have the Sky Typers, which are the AT6 group. Uh, yeah. But it was yeah. basically rained out, and we, we of course last year we we didn't do it because of the COVID. And we just there's about six or seven of the old airplanes that just fly by out over the beach, and one of the one of the guys will get in the stand and mention whose airplane it is and what year it is, a little history of it as it's going by, and that's about all we do with it. Yeah, we don't actually well, do any acrobatics or any of that type of stuff. We got all these guys here on Long Island that fly all these yeah, fancy air, acrobatic airplanes in the yeah. shows anyway. Well, you know, an air show has got to be certified by the FAA. Right. And um, and I'll never forget when I got my certification to do um, acrobatic flying. I had a, a another a good friend of the FAA there that uh, monitored me from the ground. Uh, Harry, I can't think of Harry's last name, but uh, he was a principal operating inspector for Eastern Airlines, as a matter of fact. And Harry and I became real good friends because he was also my principal operator when we had our air agency school. John and I eventually got an air agency certificate to teach the 727, the uh, Argosy, the uh, DC-7, those airplanes, a ground school. We were authorized 
as a fully certified ground school for those types of equipment. As a matter of fact, yeah. when we got the 727 authorization, uh, we were hired by Piedmont Airlines, I mean, uh, uh, Allegheny Airlines, to come up to train all of their first class uh, 727 uh, class that they just had just gotten the 727 and they were looking for a ground school and they heard about us and called us and said, yep, we have FAA certification. We can do it. So we sent two instructors, Charlie, uh, I can't think of his name either. He was an instructor down in Miami for Eastern and he worked for us and, uh, on systems. And, um, if anybody remembers Charlie's last name, please let me know. But, um, I've been trying to think of it, uh, and I can't. But at any rate, uh, Harry Waxler, that was his last name, Harry Waxler. And mm -hmm. Harry met me out at uh, McCollum Airport out there at Kennesaw. And uh, I flew the steerman over, and and, uh, and uh, he met me, and he told me where he was going to be, where an open area, practice area that they used out there at McCollum for students. And um, he would be on this particular street watching, and um, I was to make my demonstration to him, and I did, and I did some sloppy air work, but he gave me authorization to go ahead and perform to the public, and uh, John did likewise. And as a matter of fact, um, we were both authorized to show, uh, you know, to do a public air show. So uh, interesting, yeah. Neil, I got a question yeah. for you. You yeah. talked about Nisky Lake, and uh, I told you I was out there there too. Ben Hill, I was a little bit further west of that. Ben yeah. Hill, yeah. and uh, I have a memory, and of course, at eighty-four, your memories aren't necessarily accurate, <laughs> of going to a memorial service for John. Yeah. Uh, out in that area, and you yeah. and I remember seeing you there. Am I? Completely off base on that? No, you're you're spot on, Jim. It was held out there at Beecher Hills, and there's a funeral home, mm -hmm. and I think that funeral home is still active to this day. And mm -hmm. uh, with the Eastern pilots like yourself and all the others there was that a bunch knew John of us so well, yeah, and they were in mm -hmm. uniform. And as a matter mm -hmm. of fact, uh, his family, his brother Lou, uh, became a friend of, uh, I knew Lou uh when he moved to Atlanta uh, after uh, John died, and uh, uh, he was he was uh, younger than John. John was about midway in a family of about five or six siblings. I forgot how many exactly how many there were, but John was mm -hmm. about midway, and he was an Air Force pilot and flew the uh, transports, airport air transports, C-131s, uh, and that type of airplanes and. And um, he did acrobatic training as well uh, with the Air Force. And um, yeah. but you're right, Jim. He was um, he. Uh, it was hell there. Large. Yeah, I, I I knew I remembered it. You know. Yeah. Sometimes I surprise myself with my memory. <laughs> well, you the, know. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Captain. You know, so I, I happened to look up uh, John on the FAA website. You know, on, on their licenses yeah. and whatnot, and he, he had a uh, had a um, commercial license uh, or, or under a commercial license, I guess, from the Air Force. He was flying a 
a Boeing 377, which is the old uh, Stratocruiser. Was that a KC or was that, that a KC? Yeah, a KC aircraft. Yes, a KC 97. Yeah, he had a rating on that. Yeah. Yeah, 97 KC 97. KC He used to tell yeah. me it was the world's ugliest airplane. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it's just a B-29 with a deck on it. Yeah, That's so you found that information. Yeah. Yeah. You found yeah. that on the Internet. Yeah, very good. Yeah, on the FAA website, I looked them up, yeah. Now, you know, when mm. we had the Flying Club, we expanded. Uh, it became so popular, guys, the 10 guys that we initially took, and we took their money, their $125 checks, and we reimbursed ourselves of the money that we spent for the down payment, and the bank had financed the balance of it, and then the $25 a month was to be used to make the monthly payments and maintenance and so forth. But it became so popular. Uh, his wife and my wife were doing the scheduling of the 10 members that we had that we decided we'd go out and buy another airplane. We, we bought a Cherokee 235, a low-wing airplane, and uh, everybody liked to fly that airplane a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit uh, faster than the 172. So we had a high-wing and a low-wing airplane. They started telling all their friends, hey, you ought to join our club. And, of course, when they called, we only had you know, 10 openings, and they were taken. So that's when we mm -hmm. decided to buy the second airplane. We took 10 more people, and then we started teaching the ground school, and it became popular. And golly, before long, I was doing a lot of flight instructing out there. John never got his flight instructor rating, but he did a lot of the ground school work. And uh, a lot of the guys that came through our school eventually were hired with Eastern Airlines. And, um, yeah. Charlie Miller, he was yeah. one of our members. You know Charlie, uh, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're yeah one of those Cherokees. Cherokees, you were talking about Neil. That was when uh, 235, I think you said it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was when they finally went from the Hershey Bar wing over to the Laminar Flow wing. <laughs> yeah, if you say so. <laughs> turbulent I, I flow can't. wing versus the laminar flow. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, it yeah. was a newer model. It was still used, and uh, I mean, yeah. you know, we couldn't afford to buy a brand new airplane. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the the school did so very 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 well. John Steinmetz, of course, he's the president of the REPA. Uh, he became one of our instructors up in Boston, where he was based. And Johnny had a, a P-51 Mustang, and he was mm -hmm. kind of kind of from a, uh, a home of wealth, I believe. But at any rate, yeah. uh, he became our representative in Boston for our classes held there when John and I would get special treatment from Cruzsked. And anytime we told them we, we had a, a class schedule out of town, as I mentioned uh, in the early opening, crew scheduling really worked great wonders for us. And um, we kind of repaid them in a way, but uh, at any rate, they they really helped us out uh, in getting us mm -hmm. together. And we used the passes to go to the cities. And Johnny um, got so interested in it, he wanted to, after John died, he wanted to buy a franchise for it. And um, um, Jack Howard, I don't know if you guys remember Jack, Jim, you may have remembered Smiling Jack. I used to call him Smiling Jack Martin. 
uh, yeah. smiling yeah. Jack. He had a, a Clark Gable type of gone with the wind mustache and very mm-hmm. uh, ha- handsome debonair guy. And he lived out in San Antonio and he approached John and I one day if, to see if he could buy a franchise for San Antonio, which of course we, mm-hmm. we accepted his offer and he invited us out to San Antonio and we stayed there with his, uh, wife i think her name was boots they called her boots b-o-o-t-s mm-hmm. and a wonderful couple and had a beautiful home out there jack did and um so we we did really well with the school it uh, really then after john died uh, i sold the school to uh, one of my miami instructors uh, not charlie but um uh, uh golly pete's uh uh, Brown, his first, his last name was Brown, and he was an Eastern pilot, and he went with United and became a vice president of United. But uh, really, you mean rate, after Eastern? Yeah, after, after Eastern, Eastern he, went with, he went with United. Mm-hmm. He went with United and became a VP. Yes, no, he did. I, yeah, flight operations. But he he no. filled. I think it was a temporary filling of uh, the chief pilot that passed away. I think it was. And uh, his name will come to me in a minute, but uh, he bought. Was Don Dotson one of your students? Don Dotson was one of my students. He had a DC three. Yes, I thought he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Don came through the school, and and golly, Pete, there were so many of them that came through. Matter of fact, Hassan Calloway's son, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dick Bobar's Randy, uh, son, I believe. Randy. Yeah, Randy ha- uh, Calloway came through it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Bob Wilbur. You know, the one that uh, had the DC-9 uh, hijacking was, up in Boston. He came, yeah, right. he got his ATR with us and uh, came to Atlanta and sat in a class. Uh-huh. And, and um, he had been awarded captain on the DC-9, and he didn't have his ATR written exam out of the way. <laughs> At least <laughs> he, said, he got it. Guys, you know. He said, you guys have got to get it, get me through this thing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Don Dotson and Charlie Miller both came to the Silver Falcons. I mean, yeah, the Silver Falcons thing at uh, Peach State Airport about six weeks ago. I saw them both there. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, they're, the next they're time still you see around. say hello, hello for me. Yeah, yeah. I will. Yes, Lord. Well, there's some good stories, and... Um, you know, I did the maintenance on the airplane uh, at the airport. Uh, the E.T. Barwick Mills, and probably people have never heard of E.T. Barwick, but E.T. Barwick was the inventor of a particular weave of carpeting. And he had, mm-hmm. uh, Sears Roebuck had signed him up as an exclusive distri- uh, uh, manufacturer of their carpets. And Bar- Barwick uh, was a kind of a playboy type. He had a house, and he used to love to do pictures in, of himself with his jets. He had a Bach 111, and he had the uh, G2 Gulfstream 2, and he had a twin beach craft, the old twin beach craft that was an executive airplane he had converted it into. And all three of those airplanes were in the hangar along with our steerman. And as I mentioned mm-hmm. before, everybody went to the steerman to heck with the jets. <laughs> the beach craft. Yeah, they wanted to see that steerman. 
Yeah. Both both of them powered with those spay engines on it. It made yeah. more noise than anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I did the maintenance on the airframe, and uh, and I, I I did let Jim Moore. You remember Jim Moore, an old yes, engineer? Yes, he did. Yeah. And Jim I Moore remember. was. He used to teach the DC-7 for John and I at, a, at our ground school. Mm-hmm. That's how we got awarded DC-7 uh, Air Agency Certificate for ground school. And we taught that airplane for uh, reciprocating engineer written exams and ratings. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Airlift hired us to do their instructing on their Argosy. They had bought a a bunch of Argosy air. I don't know who the manufacturer of the Argosy is or was. But, some uh, British thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a twin-engine prop jet, and um, we taught that. I don't. I forgot. Paul Shemsky, I think, was the instructor on that. So we were doing real well, and I finally sold the school after about two years after John passed away, and um, and got into another type of school business. And that was appraising, a real estate appraising. I'd been in real estate since 1964, and and that was kind of my hobby on the side. And that's why I was associated with Morse Realty, Jack Morse, who was a partner along with Marvin Milton, uh, also with Morse Realty, uh, the four of us on the Stearman. But John and I were the only two pilots. <laughs> I did eventually so, solo Jack Morris in the airplane, but Marvin passed away not too long ago, just a couple of years ago. But no, last year Marvin passed away. Jack passed away several years ago. But I did solo Jack in that airplane. But yeah, Neil, I Mike, got a, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Charlie uh, South Fulton Airport. Uh, we had a big thing at our airport Saturday afternoon, and they ended up doing a loving-ship fly over Jackson Lake and trail uh, with their boat parade that they have there every year. And our, our guys went down there. Three of them were like twins, and they did some high-speed passes and all that. But anyhow, one of the old mechanics, uh, Delta, I think, and sitting in my golf cart while we were talking everything, and we were talking about my 170, which was my first airplane. A 178 with me and B.W. bought that in 66, and we sold it in 68. And we had it at what I said. He asked, where did you have your airplane? And I said, we had it at Charlie Brown. Yeah. And he said, so yeah, I said, we had it at Charlie Brown's, you know, over there by Six Flags. And he said, yeah. no, you did not. And I said, I'd, we certainly did. I, I paid him $5 a month for tie-down. Something yeah, like that. He said right. you were at South Fulton. You were at South Fulton Airport, and I thought that it was it it was called Charlie Brown in the '66, '67, '68, and he just told me I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. What did you well, think it was Charlie Brown? Was South Fulton or Charlie Brown? No, it wasn't South Fulton. When you were there, it was Fulton County Airport in 1966 when we what? No, 1960. Five, I think, when we first went out there, in '65, it was Fulton County. Now it might have had South uh, before, but we just said Fulton County Airport, and uh, uh-huh. and uh, eventually it became Charlie Brown. Now that was after our right. time. That was that was after. Oh, okay, John well, I guess that guy was right then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because it it was South Fulton Airport, but 
He just said to me, you know, no, why did South Fulton Airport? You know, he sort of insulted me. <laughs> My wife was there, two, three other guys were there standing around. You, know. <laughs> you don't even know where your airplane is. <laughs> yeah. He was right then, but, but I yeah. thought it was Charlie is Brown. I guess I just got a little messed up. Is there more well, we, than one Fulton County Airport in uh, down there in Georgia? No, that's the only one. Peach Street Cab is the only other one. That's in the, the city. The other one, yeah. Yeah. I know because uh, uh, there was an outfit called O'Gara Aviation there in 91. I don't know if anybody heard of that. Yeah. When I flew my well, very we, last trip on the on the Piazadora 727, that's, I dropped it off in Fulton County Airport, and that was my oh. last trip. The airplane was sold after that. My golly. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Guy Sharp, Sharp, Guy Sharp Aviation, was there along the two FBOs at Fulton County when we were there. Was uh, Guy Sharp Aviation? I forgot what he called it, but Guy Sharp, who became a state representative, and uh, wasn't he a senator? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Right. He okay. became a representative. Yeah, you know, well, our mm-hmm. our lawyer that uh, incorporated John and I was. Uh, was uh, uh golly i can't think of his name but he was a united states house of representative and um mm-hmm. at the time u.s representative and um oh i can't think of his name i got to think of his name so i can put it in the book <laughs> you've convinced me i got to write a book about this before i die <laughs> but fred thompson Never forget fred, what's his fred, name. fred thompson i think was his name and fred was the uh the state United States representative, and he incorporated our our company. Matter of fact, he told us when we incorporated that we should insure ourselves for uh, in the event one of us passed away, that mm-hmm. the other would be covered. The other family would be cover, covered. So when John and I bought the house up on the lake because we had we had money just let the good times roll as John would often say. Uh we bought that house up on Lake Lanier, a beautiful home up there and the kids grew up there almost. And um when he when he incorporated us, he told us he said, "You know, you guys if you if you start making money and everything and you have a good investment, he said you need to know that you you need to know that the business that you're in, flying to both general aviation and commercial, um, there may be an accident that one of you may be killed or whatever, and so you need to get key man insurance, and that's what he called it, key man insurance. Mm-hmm. So we did. We purchased key man insurance. I had uh, insured my life and insured John's life. So when John was killed, Lois, his wife, received the benefits of, you know, the the uh, she was a beneficiary of John's insurance. And um, I received the house, and John's widow received the uh, money, which was probably twice the amount of what the house was worth. So um, she was able, but she stayed in Loch Lomond for about another year, I think, and and she eventually moved back to Cleveland along with uh, Lisa. And Lisa is one of the most beautiful women you've ever seen now, ladies you've ever seen now. She's mm-hmm. a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. She's the uh, same age, about three years young, uh, older rather than my son. I think she's, I'm not going to say what, my son is 61, so you figure that. So if Lisa's listening, <laughs> she, she, I'm not going to reveal her age, but she's married to a wonderful 
a guy, his name is Mike Pagel. So her last name is Pagel, Lisa Pagel, before it was Lisa Corni. And Mike Pagel was the quarterback before uh, before Peyton Manning came to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, Indianapolis Colts. I think he was the, the Colts uh, quarterback for about three or four years. And I had the pleasure of going up to their home in Cleveland. And Mike's a, she, he's a very handsome man, and, and he got a very beautiful, beautiful uh, lady. So turned out real well. And she's just like her father. She's just like John. It's almost frightening. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, that's about my story, and we've about run out of time. And I sure appreciate you guys coming on board and and uh, listening to this. It's been fun talking about John. It usually is. And most of the time I get the occasion that Lisa will call me from time to time, and we just kind of talk. And um, I hope, Lisa, if you're listening, uh, that you will uh, give me a call, say hello. So I'm going to get Merle Haggard here to silver wing us out of here. And we'll be back next Monday with a different show. So well, we'll have Jim, a toast Chuck, to John later at 5 o'clock. Mike, hey, I hadn't thought of that, but by golly, I'm going to raise my glass. <laughs> Thanks, Mar- Mike, for the reminder. <laughs> I never it's did get find the, I never did find out who was area code six seven eight before I go off air. Would you say? <laughs> nope. Still not. Six seven eight. Bill Kennedy. Hey, Bill. Okay. Yeah. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I sure did. Did you know John by any chance? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, listen, I hope you'll tune us in again, and you guys uh, be with us again. Chuck, thanks for being here. Jim, Mike, and Time. Bill. Appreciate it all. So, okay. okay. Yeah, I'll turn it over to Merle.
they're taking you away and leaving me lonely silver wings slowly fading out of sight Later. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. All righty. Be good. Bye-bye.